accessing agent files. Brian Sovereign. Early 21st Century Anarchist. Creator and host of the podcast Sovereign Check. By the year 2021, the show would be instrumental in the downfall of various conservative ideologies in the government. Helping usher in an incredible time. Hey, want to take a walk on the wild side and experience the bleeding edge of technology? Then get ready because it doesn't get much more edgy than this. You're in for a wild ride. You're listening to Sovereign Tech with your host, the man in triple black, the golden stallion of the tech world, Brian Sovereign. He's got a huge brain. And now here's Brian. Oh yes, the Golden Stallion here with you, and it's not just me this time. In fact, this episode overall uh, is really going to change things up a bit. So, <laughs> might have had a false start. No, it's just things are bumping. Things are bumping. The, the studio is banging and bumping. Well, I, I I can't say that that's a that that's an issue, uh, considering <laughs> <laughs> that I am joined by uh, by two lovely ladies this episode. Uh, of course, you just heard the lovely and hyper intelligent Doctor Stephanie Murphy is here with us. Hello, and Paige Peterson. Hi. Oh, made safe. Hi. This is so great. It's all I, her fault. It, it's all the, the bumping and everything. <laughs> I is started it. Her yeah, fault. totally. <laughs> Everybody was just dancing in yeah. here. Uh, it was. It was really uh, quite the thing to see. But anyway, <laughs> so yes, thank you both for being on. This is really exciting for me. Um, and me you know, too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to change things up a bit because I'm not. There's not going to be any interruptions. In this episode, still going to only be two hours long, uh, but there's no ads, no no hard breaks, none of that. I'm going to try out. I've wanted to experiment with this for a while. So, what would Sovereign Tech be like with having multiple guests on? You know, I've had Stephanie, I've had you on a few times, uh, and it always turns out really great. But it's like, what happens if it's more than two? You know, if you're going to have a threesome on the audio, uh, you know, or on the podcast, how exactly? <laughs> well, three people, <laughs> relax, of pervs. course, yeah. <laughs> um, how exactly is that going to work? And so, we're going to find out right now how that works. So, uh, thank you all for being along for the experiment with Sovereign Tech, because maybe this will be the wave of the future. Uh, for the show is that it'll just you know I will essentially be hosting a a panel of guests and uh, I'm I'm intrigued by this possibility. I don't know if you wanted to say this on the air, but um, you were calling it like anarcho twit. Right? Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the mm-hmm. idea. Is uh, you know I was going to attempt to be the anarchist Leo Laporte uh, and see how that goes. And and the reason no no, no be- um, Leo Laporte is the status Brian Sovereign. <laughs> <laughs> The other there way around. Go. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, you know, admittedly, he's gotten, he's actually used the phrase free market uh, a multitude mm. of times yeah. in the past few months, and good for mm. him. So, I, lo- I think he's a great host. He I is, really he's take great. a lot of inspiration from him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's something, the, the, why this appeals to me to some degree is that I know a lot of people enjoy how passionate I get about things, you know, but at the same time, I don't really like to get all that heated up all the time. Uh, I, I mean, I, I oh, genuinely. Oh, you want to outsi- outsource your passion to yeah, us? Yeah, I'll let everybody else get mad. I'll let Paige get mad. Yeah, that sounds let, good. Yeah. I can do that once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I'll let everybody else just, just turn loose and then I'll calm them down or something. I don't know. I don't think I've ever really heard Paige get mad. Do you Maybe get mad? Not. What do you get? Um, what makes you mad? Um, well, what makes me mad, other than the state and like being <laughs> delayed getting here by cops that just 
decide to go really slow in the middle of the highway. Oh, yeah, you got um, cop blocked. Didn't I did you? get cop blocked. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous yeah. how that works out. But yeah, I mean, oops, see, there I go hitting a. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, what, what does, what things, is there anything that really like pushes your buttons in a bad way? Well, in a bad way, I guess. Um, that way I can avoid it during the show. <laughs> well, intolerance in general, but yeah. I guess you guys are not about that at all. So I don't think I would really get angry. All right. Do you, you get mad are. about the people in the Bitcoin world that want to like turn it into a regulated status wet dream? Um, kind yeah, of thing? I mean, so it's it's interesting. So I'm from San Francisco and um, I actually organize the San Francisco Bitcoin meetup. And so I meet a lot of different people. Um, I can't say that all of them make me angry, but a lot of them are really like all about just, you know, making a quick dollar and mm taking advantage of the community and um yeah but there are a lot of them that do want to make money but are also you know on the idealist side as well sure um but yeah so i don't i try not to think about them or talk to them usually right. so i don't have to get angry so you don't have mm. to get angry. <laughs> <laughs> right well that sounds good for your blood pressure yeah, yeah exactly you know while we're talking about you i mean now you work for made safe correct uh now i think anybody listening to sovereign tech has a very good idea of what made safe is about uh david uh, irvine who's the i shouldn't call him the head of the company he was he conceptualized it sure so sure so he, he started the the whole thought process and kind right. of got other people to jump on board and stuff so. right and just a great guy and he i did an interview with him on sovereign tech that you actually set up I, yeah i initiated that y- yeah you made that happen <laughs> so th- this is really great to to finally have the uh, the initiator on the show uh, yeah. but you're working for made safe in, in like in what capacity are you working for them so it's still kind of being determined at this point, but my two basic roles are setting up this developer pod in San Francisco. So what MadeSafe is trying to do is decentralize the development of the core while also kind of um, creating communities that support people that are making applications on top of the network. So they want to create these pods, and obviously San Francisco is a really great place. So it's the first one that's kind of being worked on and being funded um, by the the crowd sale that happened. And um, I'm also, since they are really busy doing setting up the test net and getting ready for that, they're kind of stuck in Scotland. And I'm the only one in the U.S., so I'm kind of going to be helping represent them um like i spoke at the dc conference right. a couple weekends ago and trying just to get other gigs in the u.s at least that i can travel to that it's not too hard for me to get to sure cool yeah so that, that's that's great and now you are you would describe yourself as an anarchist yes definitely okay awesome so. <laughs> <laughs> yes high five yeah we're uh, we're actually we're, we're all wearing black here today, of course, which is fantastic. Um, I better get rid of this skirt then because yeah. it's not black. Oh, yeah. all right, yeah. lose get the skirt. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. We don't need it anyway. So, oh, there it goes. There it goes. Oh, oh my. All right. Anyway, good thing this show's just audio. Uh, so we were all at Porkfest uh, this past week. We're at, we're going to do a separate show about Porkfest and the DC conference. Um, oh well, later that's news on. to me, but I'm interested in that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know our conference specials until that one show got like 30,000 downloads, Brian, 
our conference specials were like the most popular sovereign tech things yeah people have actually offered to pay for us to go to these things oh um, yeah seriously cool. i didn't know that yeah. <laughs> send us to these things we'll do a show about it yeah sure. or at least you know they've offered to you know they uh, a certain a specific listener came up with the idea to crowdfund us going to these conferences and, right on and yeah. he said he would you know certainly help pay for it and that other people probably would be very interested in that as well so i like to make sure that we do these kind of post-conference things but we all by and large i just want to get this out of the way we all very much enjoyed uh pork fest yes yeah definitely great time yeah Yeah. fantastic time um and uh, the dc conference was uh was was pretty good too yeah well you guys left a little early yeah yeah Yeah. we left so early that we missed the entire conference (laughs) we were there for like the two days before it because we had to get to pork fest like it just was unfortunate timing that it overlapped with pork fest and I had really committed to doing, you know, to bringing the stuff up to Porkfest for the first aid tent uh, with free aid, which I volunteer with. So, uh, you know, I really wanted to make sure I was there on time for Porkfest. So we left like Saturday morning after the Bitcoin and the Beltway thing. Didn't really see much of the conference. My talk was at like 930 in the morning. That was kind of cool experience. Um, but yeah, mostly we just went to that one party and not much else right. really happened. <laughs> right. And so, but Paige, you thought it was a, a good conference overall? Um, it was good in that uh, there was, it was definitely like grassroots organized sure. and there wasn't, you know, all these VCs and executive type people. Yeah, it looked like a great speaker list. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of the organizing, uh, I think it was kind of the, their first time doing it. So, you know, next time will be better. Um, but it came definitely off as a little rough. Didn't yeah, it? it was a little rough. Yeah. I got my my speaking slot got moved a few times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Like you said, first time around. You know, uh, I did hear even before it started that at least the the numbers were so successful that. Uh, they were going to do it again next year. So, yeah, hopefully next year it oh, will be cool. better. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jason King, who organized it. Love here, that guy. He, well, actually, MK Lords did most of the organizing. Yeah, um, she did. But Jason thought of the conference and he start, he got it kind of started. But he was running across America, mm-hmm. so he didn't really have a lot of space to be able to handle, I guess, some of the organizational stuff. So he, right. so she was helping out with that. But he was saying that um, a bunch of politicians like bought tickets for this conference because they wanted to know about bitcoin or something and it's Mm -hmm. in washington dc and uh then like the speakers kind of started to get announced and they were like progressively anarchistic like (laughs) yeah like jeff burke was giving a talk and it was called the bullet will bitcoin the bullet that will destroy the district of criminals and so like all these politicians were coming to jason king and saying like yeah sorry we can't make it but they still bought the tickets, so they were like well, basically subsidizing. Yeah, the, so that's they funded it. Good, that's fine. Win win. <laughs> I didn't miss them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you know, speaking of MK Lords, I, I need to get her on the show. I th- she's great. I she th- is good. Yeah, yeah. very talented hula yeah. hooper. She's a talented interviewer too. Oh yeah, and she's very and writer. She did the yeah. the flaming hula hoops and yeah. Yeah. actually she did uh, during what was it Bob Murphy's variety show? Mm-hmm. Was it during that? She did a uh, a, a a sequence a performance. With the hula hoop, and I, I, I was uh, mesmerized. Yeah. Yes, by I mean that was wow. That yeah, was she's really great, and especially when she uses the hula hoops that are either on fire or like have the LEDs going around, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. just like whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah. Boy, yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> the, I, I mean, I'll just say it is some of the hottest things I've ever seen someone do. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? oh yeah. I, I, I We're was, not objectifying you. I know she doesn't. She's like an anti. 
she's I think she's pretty into like anti-feminism but like I mean she's got great things to say too like I'll just appreciate her for what she has to say and what she does oh yeah 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 no she's a great hooper but also really smart and yeah and um got her ideas in the right place as far as bitcoin goes and she's not like she's not like all the way anti-feminist I don't think I think she's anti-feminist in a, in a lot of collectivist ways, right. ways that a lot of people think it's collectivist, but she actually does come from the left in terms of her uh, background, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know I've, that. I've talked to her a few times about these things, and we end up kind of agreeing, for the most part, right. on everything, so... You know, yeah, I find that, too. Like, I, it's it's so weird. Like, the label feminism almost means nothing now. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a label that I've embraced in the past, but I definitely don't like the collective aspects of it and I often really have wholeheartedly agree with people who call themselves anti-feminist too so it's a real problem like yeah what do you call it like if you if you want um, people to have choice and autonomy over their own bodies if you are, are like supportive of you know women being able to say yes or no to sex whenever they feel like it whatever and and men too and if you're supportive of like anti-circumcision and like birth freedom and those kind of things um but you don't want the state to like pay for women's benefits or men's benefits or welfare in general or whatever like what do you call yourself you know right right yeah i i can understand that i mean a lot of these terms a lot of different terms i i find myself consistently steering away from and there's people who complain about doing that even you know it's like oh you know you don't want to be labeled that's ridiculous what are you standing up for blah 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 if you have no label like how do you tell people like what you're about in a succinct way yeah maybe it's impossible (laughs) yeah so you know i don't even know what what to do on all that uh i've had actually for over a year now i've had people saying you need to come up with your own ism and i'm just you know no i have no interest in that i wouldn't want to become a a yeah because then you have to explain the ism anyway so you might as well just like say what you're thinking right so you know i anyway that's a whole other story so (laughs) bottom line i need to get mk lords on this show definitely Uh, but but right now i'm enjoying who we have uh very much enjoying who we have here uh so anyway let's get into the rapid fire stories let's start talking some tech uh and again there's no set segments here so i've just got a bunch of different topics and we'll you know as we finish one we'll go on to the next one but for uh, rapid fire stories we'll be doing that and uh, i guess the first First thing is just is talking about Google I.O., which happened while we were at uh, Porkfest. And so I wasn't able to really keep on top of the news about it. But frankly, I didn't care. Like there there was what I saw, what got announced, announced out of it, I thought was uh, pointless. There's like a new version of Android that you can't even get right now. Uh, which, oh, yeah. well, right. I mean, that, that's <laughs> What's kind the of the point of announcing that. Yeah, in the past, whenever they do these things, or like even when Steve Jobs would do like a WWDC for Apple or whatever, when he'd announce it, it was available that day. You know, whatever it happened to be, be it software or, or whichever. So this is a trend that's happening now with these big companies. Is now they're announcing and they're just trying to get everybody uh, salivating, I guess, for months or whatever, or trying to have them get their budgets in line so they they can purchase these things. But there was a lot of talk about you know Google or Android Wear, which is like their watch. Uh, designs and everything, and they gave mm. away free watches. You I know, know you're skeptical of this wearable computing well, stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, wearable computing. I mean, I'm not skeptical of watches. Smart yeah, watches I'm skeptical of, yeah, but regular watches really I think watch. are fantastic. And hell, I've had a smart watch since I was like five. I still wear it. It's a, it's a calculator watch by Casio. <laughs> it's as smart as I need any watch to be. 
So anyway, no, nothing that there's just there's nothing exciting to talk about with Google I/O in in my opinion. What uh, about the uh, thing where they're porting the Android apps to to uh, Chrome OS? Well, that was pretty cool. I'll give them that. That was pretty awesome. But again, it's something that they just don't have available. There is a voting process you could go f- through as to what Android apps you'd yeah, want. Yeah, and everybody to get voted for Chrome Skype. OS. I voted for Skype. You know, as much as I hate Skype, uh, it's just it's something a ton of people use. And well, so, that, that would be the thing to allow at least like people like you and me, Brian, who are self-employed, to be able to like conduct most of our business on the Chromebook. Right. The only thing it's missing is audio editing, but you can kind of do that with Twisted Wave, which is a web app. Yeah. But it's yeah. I mean, that's not quite there really for podcasting. But with Skype, at least you could talk to people and you could do. Um, business calls and stuff with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Paige, how do you feel about Skype? Um, I use it regularly. Um, I'd rather not, but it right. is very useful in terms of chatting with people not in your area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like, I don't know, being able to kind of s- use it as like a chat application as well, just like stay online on Skype and people can message you and stuff. So it is definitely useful for me. I'd rather not have to use it. Um I don't really use it on on Android, my Android phone or anything. I okay. just use it on my laptop. Yeah, so I mean, this is a thing. It's one of those. Now there is like abilities to use Skype, like the chat ability, not necessarily the VoIP mm-hmm. or um, uh, you know the video conferencing or whatever that Skype allows on a Chromebook. You can use Office Online. You, you figured use, out yeah, how to do that. Yeah, if you use OneDrive Online, it actually lets you use that, which is hmm. pretty handy. So, But all the same, yeah, it'll be interesting what gets ported over. I don't know how all yeah. that's going to work. Yeah, I wonder how that's going to work because it seems like a lot of the functionality... So I, I obviously used to work for Open Garden, right. which is a mesh networking application on Android. And I know it was just always impossible to make an app for Chrome just because it's, you can't access like the bluetooth radio and all that stuff right right so, so i wonder how they're making that work yeah i don't know i mean i, I wonder now you use um for your laptop page you use a, a mac book mm-hmm. right yeah yep so do you ever use parallels you know what parallels the that's like what allows windows software to run semi-natively yeah i don't ever oh okay nope. okay so yeah I, I don't i haven't used a mac in a long time yeah uh so i'm not sure how well parallels works today it used mm-hmm. to be kind of clunky mm-hmm. uh, but maybe it's gotten better and maybe that's kind of the idea that they said it's a port so mm-hmm. that would mean it's not necessarily emulating so it should right. run pretty fast but mm-hmm. anyway that's about the only good thing i guess that came out of google io if you're a chromebook user and as i've said in the past uh if you are you know of the fatalist nature that you can't do anything uh, against the NSA or whatever, then, you know, if you want security, I always recommend using a Chromebook. Uh, but a little more about Google. There you are, finally. I keep, wow, I keep hitting that microphone. We're a little cramped in here, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it works. Um, the, Google is finally shutting down Orkut. Do you, What's Orkut? Do, do you guys know what Orkut no. is? No. I can't remember, honestly. Okay. I've, I remember hearing the name, but... Like, ten years ago, Google actually tried to create a social network. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is way before every... This is like in response to MySpace. Uh, And this was something... It's really popular in Brazil, still kind of is. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was... It's something that a lot of people were... Kind of like how we mentioned Skype, how Skype was being watched for uh, what was claimed to be for drug deals. 
Mm. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like everybody's known, everybody has known that Skype's been watched by governments for mm-hmm. is almost as long as it's been in existence. Right. Um, Orkut was kind of similar to where it was known that it was being watched for because it was sort of an under the radar social media service. Not that many people used it. A lot of people that would. Uh, do deals that were, say, illicit or had illicit means or whatever. It was very popular with them. But now they're finally, this September 2014, they are finally shutting down Orkut <laughs> after 10 years of service. Wow. So, yeah. And and Google Plus actually just turned Is, uh, three. Justin Timberlake going to buy it now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's that working out? Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> so I just, I thought it was funny that, you know, that I don't know if they're going to shut down Google Plus. People have theorized that. That just turned three years old uh, this week. But uh, yeah, ten years later, they're finally shutting down Orkut. Um, well, Google whatever. Plus is popular with creepy dudes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. true. What do you think about Google Plus page? I'm actually I'm very curious to hear that. Um, I honestly don't use it too much. Right. Um, I used to use it when I was doing social media stuff for Open Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always really difficult to get it to like sync up with the other sharing things. Like it was always the most difficult one, so I ended up not really using it too much. Um, right. Now yeah. you, you're on the Bitcoin group often enough, right? Um, yeah, I haven't been in a about a month or month and a half, right. but I I have been. Now yeah. that's a show that uh, it, that uses Hangouts mm-hmm. for a bunch of commentators yeah. just to get together and talk Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's a good uh, way to do a show, you definitely. know? Yeah, uh, yeah. It records it automatically to YouTube, you know? Yeah, the Hangouts is really great, but right. um, in terms of Google+, Plus, I'm not sure. So, one other thing I have uh, a problem with in terms of Google accounts is that I have, like, eight of them, and I don't <laughs> even know how that happened. Like, every yeah. time I, like, like logged into a different gmail account and then like went to youtube it wanted me to make a new account and then it was just so confusing that i just did it and now i have like eight <laughs> accounts so if wow. you find me on google plus it i might never see you i'm sorry <laughs> that's my other personality yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you know that's kind of the general consensus i hear from people is that well hangouts is great um but google plus itself who cares right well now they're separated right didn't they're they getting separated divorce each yeah. other or something yeah like hangouts is really integral on android uh for getting sms and all that in fact there was even right. a um just this week there was they found a video that's being shown internally at google that showed you integrating google voice uh my or not integrating but migrating google voice into hangouts and hmm. so you know there there's a little preview of the future hmm. but uh but yeah hangouts stopped it used to be that Hangouts would lead you, would create a contact and would lead you to the Google Plus information. Yep. But now it actually just takes you to contacts on your phone and mm-hmm. not to Google mm-hmm. Plus. So that that is a pretty big degree of separation there mm-hmm. that it that it's achieved. So that yeah, that might be happening. Yeah, um, I mean it's kind of interesting because like people do, some people do post on Google Plus. Like I still see a stream of of um, posts, and I have a lot of contacts on Google Plus, maybe more than I do on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like. Google Plus is not offering anything special compared to other social networks, I think. If, if you're a person who's interested in freedom and you don't want your account to be taken down for having a fake name or something like that, or you right. don't... Uh, not a fake name, a chosen name, right. a name that is not the same as on your status paperwork. Excuse me for saying that. I totally <laughs> fell into the language trap. Yeah, there. for not yeah, but, not wanting your slave name. Yeah, but like <laughs> if you know, Google Plus isn't really offering much there in terms of like extra privacy or extra freedom, right? You know, and so I think 
I think if we were going to get the non-bookers on any social network, it would have to really offer them something and they'd have to feel comfortable with it. And they don't feel comfortable with Google. Do you guys agree? I mean, do you think that's what's going on or is it just bad design or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I don't see it as having many like different features than Facebook other than the fact that you can like put people into groups. I guess they started that whole circle thing. Right. But then Facebook kind of adopted a similar aspect it's harder to do that on facebook for sure yeah, yeah. Uh, even like one of the i know this might seem small but for a lot of people this is a big deal is, is the animated gifs mm. um like which now twitter you can, can do, do on that. twitter yeah, yeah. so mm. i yeah i agree with you i don't see i think you're right i don't see that differentiating aspect anymore and i used to be a huge fan of google plus yeah uh, i used to actually run an ad that that told people hey get over to google plus but i remember yeah. that i remember that too <laughs> You know? Well, I think you got some people on there, but like going back I to I still this- use it to like promote, the, to share the shows that I do because I do so much mm. audio in a week now. I know. That's about it. Me too, occasionally, but I, sometimes it's just like too much effort and I'm like, eh, sure. it's, it's going to get one like or whatever, you know. But with the circles thing, I was going to say, it's kind of like... I can't keep track as someone who is like, I won't say famous, but at least like somewhat of a public person, because I do do these podcasts and stuff. um, I have a lot of different contacts. And I have thought about organizing them into circles like, okay, if I post about this, I want these people to see it. These are Bitcoin people, but they all kind of mush together. And it's like, I don't, I don't have the mental space to like, fit people into those categories of like what kinds of things I would want them to see it's it seems like a little bit control freakery to me like mm-hmm. I'd rather mm-hmm. just I'd rather just keep it really simple and not post anything that I wouldn't want you know like my enemies to see or whatever or like yeah. or my you know family to see like I'd rather just keep it to a point where I don't post anything on social media that I wouldn't want certain people to see, but I would want some other people to see. Right. right. Yeah. You know, I think it raises actually an overall problem with society um, that that feature is even like needed or desired for, for its intention. Cause like the fact that you just, you don't, and I don't blame you. You mentioned how, like how Google plus has, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It has a lot of creepers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I know people hate to have that term tossed around, but, it hasn't happened recently but what i'm talking about is like there was a period of time definitely maybe i could think back to a year ago where almost every day i would get some message from some dude on google plus just a random dude hey what's up and then like they would just incessantly hey hey like until you know i wouldn't respond and they would keep going and then sometimes there would be like dick pics and sometimes there would be and i would never respond to it i would just block them you know as soon as i saw that they were messaging but that would happen quite frequently it hasn't happened recently so maybe they have changed something uh with hangouts or or chat or whatever uh but that was like what i it it became associated with google plus in my mind yeah and it's a kind of an open secret uh, around that that actually women in general have have an issue yeah uh in various platforms have talked about that that Google Plus in particular is an issue for that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there's this, just this overall, you know, you don't feel comfortable sharing every little thing about yourself as to where, you know, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable, I think, about that. But Well, I, I mean, it's okay. I think it's fine to have boundaries and walls. Well, of course it's fine, but you like, shouldn't the be... The thing is, don't have the illusion that it's going to be private, you know, because somebody's going to find out. Like, if you, if you want to share something with a subset of your social media contacts, mm-hmm. then... 
they, you know, they could just tell someone else who's not in that circle or, you know, or reshare it. Yeah. 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 Friends or yeah. yeah. You can do that on Google plus if someone shares something with a small circle, you can share it publicly. They Mm -hmm. give you a warning. They say this person didn't share this publicly. Are you sure you want to do that? But nothing stops you from it. So I don't know. I just, I think like, People want there to be that ability for privacy or for um, only sharing certain info with certain people, but it's just not there. It's it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Well, but you know, this is speaking of uh, I, the point I was trying to get to is that I think a lot of people feel like, oh yeah, I wouldn't share this, I wouldn't share that, you know, on on social media, not because of what it takes or desire for privacy or whatever, but just in the overall sense that you know. We, we live in a very conservative culture uh, that doesn't allow for this sort of thing. And so I wanted to lead into this isn't necessarily a science or tech story, but I just this is so exciting for me uh, that I wanted to, to, to bring it up in rapid fire stories. And that is that in New York City, it is now legal for women to walk around topless. Why is anyone asking for it to be legal? Why, not, why well, ask sure, permission? Yeah, why ask permission? <laughs> right. But all the same, that's that's pretty great yeah that is pretty great especially i wouldn't expect that honestly especially in new york city yeah exactly like san francisco where you're from it'd be like oh yeah of course they actually (laughs) just banned nudity there did they really yeah like probably last year oh man yeah that's so that talk about a topsy-turvy world where new york city lays out a a freedom albeit with permission um (laughs) but but then san francisco says uh yeah no no more well i mean i wonder you know what I mean? Like technically in New York, isn't it Ill- isn't it legal to uh, possess cannabis, but it's not legal to display it? And so the cops will stop black people walking down the street and they'll say like, hey, show me what's in your pockets. And then they're displaying it if they have some pot. And then they that's like the stop and frisk thing, right? Sure. I, I don't know like, for certain I, if that's I accurate. I just wonder how it is going to be like, are the cops going to get the memo? You know, because I could just picture them harassing some breastfeeding mom or just a woman oh, yeah. who's walking. Yeah, around. yeah, may- maybe. We'll we'll see how that turns out. But I just yeah. I, I think it's fantastic that somebody because this is the problem with these politicians is that they're the ones that have these crazy notions that a woman can't walk around with a shirt off or yeah. that people can't just be nude if they want. You know, and so it's just it, it was admittedly it did it it struck me as uh, or I I felt happy. That at least somewhere the politicians are like, yeah, what the hell? Well, it's not only politicians. Actually, there was one girl at Porkfest last week that was uh, walking around without Bingo. a shirt on, and the you know the people camping next door were like, we don't want to see that. Like, put it on, and like ended up like shaming her into putting it back on. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I heard about this. Mm-hmm. That there was actually a whole issue. A guy wanted to walk around naked too. He ended up going around with a loincloth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, and people were even bitching about the loincloth. Yeah. So so imagine this. New York City is actually more free than Porkfest. Hmm. Wow. Hey, (laughs) it's the proofs in the pudding. So, yeah, it's interesting. But I'm just, go ahead. I I have to say, like, I think there are probably times where I'd love to just walk around topless, but there are just certain people where I'm not comfortable with it. And so it is a social thing that's Mm -hmm. the the social, the laws aren't stopping me from doing it. It's some people. And I know that 
I could easily just kind of break that taboo if I really wanted to, mm-hmm. but I just don't feel comfortable with it right now. Sure. Know? Well, and that's the point I was trying to make with, with social media and like Google Plus is that you don't feel, you know, the circle system exists because you don't feel comfortable, but that's a social stigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's well, not. Social it's stigmas not like still, an, still exist. It's, a, it's no, like right, the right. you first problem, right? You right. know, like everybody's going to do this. Oh, but you go first, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> somebody has to be the pioneer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what about you, Paige? Like, do you, what's your thought on, are there times when you would like to just not wear a shirt? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, right I on. would like to be able to not wear a shirt whenever I wanted, but um, similarly, I don't, wouldn't feel comfortable in all situations. So yeah. sure. when there's, you know, a lot of people around or maybe, I don't know, I think in terms of, Again, with like the social stigma, a lot of families get really upset when they have children around and all that. Um, Which is a bunch of shit. I mean, like, yeah. what those kids don't have, you know, those kids don't have nude bodies under yeah. their clothes. It's they, because they're teaching them to be afraid of that. Yeah. And to not look at that and, you know, that it's this thing that, you know, you're not supposed to. Yeah. Totally. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. That's how kids learn to be ashamed of nudity Mm because they don't see it. And they if they do see it, it, then the person gets shit for it. Right. Right. So, well, now speaking of privacy, last rabbit fire story is that the black phone is now out in the wild. Um, It has been released. And uh, Mm. the black phone, of course, this is a privacy minded. It's Android based, but it made its own little thing called private OS or private OS. And uh, it's made by Silent Circle. And actually, Paige, you got to talk to really a luminary at at Silent Circle and in uh, cryptography in general. Yeah, so I actually met uh, Phil Zimmerman less than a month ago. I got uh, kind of a free comp ticket to this um, MIT Tech Summit in San Francisco. Um, And, you know, I wasn't really interested in going, but... Um, saw that he was speaking and I was like, well, I might as well take some time off and go to this. And um, he spoke about Black Phone and he spoke about Silent Circle and um, ended up following following him after his talk into the hallway and talked to him a little bit um, with a few other people. Um, So he he definitely, like, he, I think he definitely, even though... um, like Silent Circle was proprietary for a while. Right. Um, he definitely has, in my opinion, uh, uh, the best interest interest of people in his mind. Um, he definitely wasn't a like wasn't ashamed of saying that um, if the NSA targets you, then the black phone's not going to be beneficial. Yeah. But in terms of like sweeping. Uh, metadata collection and stuff like that it's really helpful um and i think it's really interesting what they're doing yeah and clearly a lot of people do it's already sold out uh its first production wow. run wow. And, and these phones aren't cheap you're not going to get these on contract anywhere right and they run 629 dollars a pop and they are gone so wow. yeah, yeah the, the isps round. definitely uh with their lobbying and stuff wouldn't appreciate yeah that. no 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 way i mean and well it shows there's a demand for privacy yeah absolutely this is something i've talked about where i said look there's going to be a crypto economy a cryptography economy that's going to rise out of all this and that's really exciting i mean there's the bitcoin economy and all the things there too that you know that that spring from that but ever since the snowden revelations this stuff is on people's minds and they want solutions and clearly the black phone selling out uh is a really a, a clear cut 
clear-cut case of that showing that that's true uh, i mean and its specs aren't even that great like yeah it has a, a two gigahertz uh, quad core in it i i think actually i think it has three gigs of ram that's pretty awesome for a does phone it let have. you install facebook messenger you know that's that's actually an area where i'm a little confused i'm not sure what part google play uh plays within it but apparently the black phone can block certain aspects of uh like like what it what an app can do oh really yeah you can you can block individual permissions so um but in since the applications are android based Mm -hmm. they still need that data so what black or the os does is actually feed it fake data so if like you say you don't want them to know your contact list it just feeds it a blank contact list see now this is this is the this is the piece of gold that I've been looking for where it, yeah. that's what I said is like what would have to happen is that something is going to have to make it so that there's a feed like a, just a feedback loop of these permissions. OK. And so Black Phone finally has achieved that. I think that's awesome. So now you could install Facebook Messenger, but then whenever it goes to access the camera or the phone mm. or, the, or the camera or the uh, the microphone, it would essentially, you know, get feed give it static you know and tell it to eat static Mm -hmm. which that's uh that's pretty exciting so this is awesome i'm tempted to grab one i mean again uh, i'm glad phil zimmerman said Paige, like you mentioned that look this isn't gonna if the nsa is after you there's nothing you can do and i I agree with that i think if if you are targeted you 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 are targeted just forget it yeah you you know game over yeah you should do a crowdfunding for that like just tell your listeners like if you get donations and you get enough for a black phone you will get one and review it okay there it is there's my there's my crowdfund (laughs) all right no no you got to do sovereign tech coin and do a crowd (laughs) absolutely not it'd just be more accusations of a jew creating money (laughs) no way uh, so anyway, but but speaking about uh, you know cell phone privacy or smartphone privacy, there's a now we can get into our main stories and we have a few to get through and we still got plenty of time. Uh, so hope everybody's enjoying the show so far. We were, we're really across the board, but that's that's fine with me. Um, <laughs> the, so there was the case uh, Riley versus California, where the Supreme Court essentially said that no police will need a warrant if they want to search your phone. What was the background of the case? Do you know the story behind it? Uh, not entirely, but there were there has essentially been issues where, uh, you know, people, citizens, quote unquote, have claimed overreach mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in, in the matter. And so the Supreme Court actually unanimously, amazingly. The, so the entire Supreme Court said, yeah, this is you can't do this. Wow. You've know, you, you got to have a warrant. Um, hmm. Again, is that going to stop the cops? Yeah. Like, I doubt they'll get the memo. Well, <laughs> they, that, that's the thing. Because they that, don't care. Like, if they violate some law yeah, um, and somebody sues them, it's not them. It's not the cops that's paying for it. It's the the, the town the or the department. or yeah. yeah, it's actually everybody else who's paying for it from tax money. Well, the, so but, they don't have so, really any incentive to keep their behavior. Sure, but, <laughs> but the, what you can do, I mean, if legal loopholes ever actually work, for you is you would essentially you'd have to yell out you have to say it aloud that i don't consent to the search to the search Mm, and as soon as you say that honestly anything they see on your phone by law again they don't have to pay attention to the laws of course you're building up your case for your lawsuit well yeah but but (laughs) by law it's inadmissible in court yeah if you didn't Mm -hmm. consent to the search and there's no warrant yeah so so this this is i mean I'm not going to, you know, I don't get crazy and happy about a whole lot of uh, political victories. I really don't. Um, but I, I'm intrigued. And, and the amazing part for me was that they under. it seems like the, the Supreme Court justices understood 
technology to some degree. In mm-hmm. fact, um, well, they all probably have a smartphone. Yeah, right? I will. I would assume everybody, just about everybody, yeah. does in America anyway. But like uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts, he he had a great quote where he said that look, if somebody came from Mars. They would think there's. They would think a smartphone was part of the human anatomy. That is an incredibly important part <laughs> yeah. of human anatomy. They're so so used. I mean, oh, Paige, how do you feel about this? Well, um, I guess I don't know. So the I see a lot of uh, violations from police being kind of near Oakland. Um, they're they're generally pretty bad. And, Talk about a surveillance state. Yeah, Oakland exactly. Yeah. Um, so I I'm not quite sure that I would trust Oakland PD to abide by that. Um, I think you know maybe police officers just don't get the repercussions that you know normal citizens quote unquote get no right when, um, a, when a police officer infringes on the law they don't go to jail they get suspended with pay vacation for, yeah, yeah they get a vacation essentially yeah. uh as to where you break the law no matter what you're going to jail right so i mean i think it's you know it's generally good it, it can probably help people in certain situations like it'll definitely help um when people need to fight this stuff but i don't think it'll um, prevent cops from like taking people's phones like there was a lot of uh, stories about how during Occupy people were having their phones going missing and right. then like just showing back up again after a few hours right. wow. yeah so maybe they just might get more sneaky about it or you know use technology to kind of monitor more things and mm. Yeah, it, it's it's funny because I mean the the well Stephanie, go ahead, uh, give me your thoughts on it. I pretty much agree with Paige. I don't think it's really going to stop them, um, and probably also people in general. Like I mean, most people don't keep up with like the latest news at the Supreme Court. So, right, if they aren't aware, if they don't know it already, if they're not like sort of tuned into like. Um, hey, cops lie and violate people's so-called rights under the Constitution, mm-hmm. then they probably won't be aware of it enough to know that you can tell a cop, no, I don't consent to you looking at my phone or taking my phone. No, it's true. Uh, a lot of people don't, you know, know their rights for whatever those are yeah. worth. And I always had that phrase is always in quotes because it's like your rights don't come from the Supreme Court or the Constitution. They're just if they exist at all, they're because you're a human being and you need certain things. Right. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Now, they did say that, or at least it's it's theorized by lawyers so far, that this law doesn't just uh, encapsulate smartphones. It also works with laptops, uh, which I that was my number one question, is, mm. is, is does this include laptops? Because, I mean, I generally, you know, I've been pushing for a while for people to sort of wean off of smartphones anyway. Yeah, uh, they're, they're a lot easier to kind of have privacy violations and stuff. Oh, sure. I mean, and then you have, you know, and this is something that this didn't even address, really. Maybe they feel comfortable with doing this now with allowing you to have, you know, you can't get your your phone searched now because Mm -hmm. they're putting in, you know, the same court is essentially ordering or not the court. Actually, Congress is ordering kill switches get put into all these devices to where they effectively become bricked. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about this is that, of course, if the the fine print of this is not in that article probably but this is not going to apply at the border 
which no, it is right. and also 100 miles in from the border right. which which is the 4th amendment free zone or whatever right. and that actually encompasses pretty much all of New Hampshire you know a, a large amount of the landmass of the United States right. so they could always just claim like oh yeah we're border patrol we don't that doesn't apply to us we can search your phone um we had a friend actually who lived in New Hampshire at the time was dating a woman in Canada and would make trips to visit her and every time he crossed the border in his car they would look through the pictures on his iPhone yeah and wow. they would they would just look at the pictures i don't know what they were looking for but um that would happen every time he crossed the border wow so uh, based on that story you know i pretty much started just traveling with my chromebook you know like yeah. not really <laughs> wanting to bring anything bring my main source of work you know having stuff in the cloud like we were talking to a british guy at pork fest chris ellis who said that when he comes to the U.S., he basically just puts everything in the cloud, encrypted with passports, has a completely blank computer, and then downloads it all again once he right. needs to do some work once he's already passed the border, because they really can uh, do some extra things, and the government will, you know, let them get away with it, of course, because it's in the name of national security. Yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, I did a Dark Android special a little while back, and this was my recommendation for crossing the border is to, you know, essentially remove everything or to create other profiles and yep. encrypt the other ones. Uh, because, yeah, and, and this isn't well, going to solve that. You can't use TrueCrypt anymore. Right, TrueCrypt is out well, of the way. Yeah. What happened with that? There's, there's no update, huh? No, it's. I mean, there's, there's alternatives. There's Descriptor, yeah. Bestcrypt, but uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's still kind of an odd, odd story. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, this. I think in the in the language of the case, it is said that if a cop feels that their life is on the line that the warrant is unnecessary and so right oh. so there's the caveat yeah, yeah. exactly there, there's the caveat <laughs> oh my life is on the line right. they always i had think... to look at those pictures <laughs> yeah. yeah they always think their life is on the line yeah. exactly i mean and they really do i yeah. mean if a dog comes outside of a door they just shoot it yeah. it's like, oh shit you know even my if life it's is a golden retriever yeah even yeah. if it could be a beagle and they're like oh man this beagle's gonna eat my head off okay it's a fucking beagle right. yeah you there know. have been cops that have shot kittens yeah, yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. Um, they they also just have this culture of just wanting to protect each other. They don't have, like, the citizen with the best interests. Like, it's, yeah. it's more about protecting themselves because they see themselves as, you know, authority and people that are actually taking care of society, which is obviously bullshit. I, I think they have a lot of, like, enemy images of people in general, too, because they probably, I mean, I'm sure they do as part of their job. They deal with shitty people that mm -hmm. do horrible things mm -hmm. and criminals but they also deal with a lot of normal people who aren't doing anything wrong but they think of them as you're probably a criminal like right. that's the mindset i think you probably get into if you're a cop is like don't these people are not human beings they're kind of like pests to be controlled and they're all they all have bad intent you just have to find what it is mm -hmm. yeah well i don't blame them for thinking that way there's so many goddamn laws in the books how could someone not break the law yeah. all the time? You right. know, I mean, be it misdemeanor or whatnot. I mean, there's there's no. So I don't think that's actually un unfair of them. I mean, the laws are the unfair thing, but it's. I don't think they're they're uh, they're crazy for thinking that way that everybody's a lawbreaker because really, I don't. But I think it goes beyond that. Like, yeah, they probably do think everyone is a lawbreaker and they can get them for something if they want. Right. But they're also thinking everyone is a criminal. Everyone is a bad person. Right. You know, these people are 
running around if if it weren't for us controlling them if it weren't for us restoring order in society everyone would just be killing each other raping each other stealing things and doing drug deals yeah, on every corner absolutely so now they they did mention you know they talked about what if um we need to get a warrant how do we handle that situation if we can't search it? Because what's going to happen? The person's going to run off and wipe the phone remotely mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. they could touch it. You know, talking about this case, uh, Riley versus California. And uh, amazingly, I still can't believe this, but they actually, during the case, the Supreme Court said, well, you can throw it in a Faraday cage or a Faraday <laughs> bag, you know, which wow. is just an aluminum bag. Yeah. But I mean, I was just in awe. I'm, I'm still <laughs> baffled by how well the government had a grasp of how these things work. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not complimenting them. I'm just saying I'm, I'm amazed because normally they, they do not understand these things at all. And they were talking about how you could remove the battery. Now, there's there's a caveat where they don't understand because yeah. these things don't have removable batteries anymore. Right. You know, unless it's a Samsung phone, everybody else has torn their batteries generally uh, or, you know, kept the batteries completely enclosed. So that's not possible. So uh, watch out. You know, I'm curious. I, I'm waiting to see, actually, if police are going to start walking around with Faraday bags on their belts. You, you know what I mean? Because all this stuff for the you know the double edged sword of of governments pushing for security with devices uh, is making software companies release this kind of ability more and more and more. And so I mean, you can remote wipe anything now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now that can be used by the government or it can be used by the person. But clearly mm-hmm. the government uh, doesn't feel comfortable about that ability. So we'll see. Either way, this is it, it's interesting. And I, and I think it'll at least give maybe some degree of ammunition when you're in a case. Uh, I shouldn't. Ammunition is a terrible word to use, but it'll give you verbal ammunition when you are in the in the situation of like you're at a. You're got, you've gotten pulled over mm-hmm. or something and you can say no hey you're not searching this right um, and I, I will be intrigued to see the YouTube videos of how that goes but do- doesn't encryption also do that like if you say you forgot your password or something mm. to some degree but for this, see you're right but this turns into an issue like with Apple where with the iPhones mm-hmm. they have the fingerprint and this is coming to Android devices too where you unlock it via your fingerprint mm-hmm. Um and when you have that, a lot of people are theorizing that you lose your Fifth Amendment rights to where you can't forget your password because it's your thumbprint. Huh. You know, and same thing. Actually, Android has been pushing facial, including Samsung, has been pushing for facial right. recognition unlock, which we actually saw some people do at, uh, at Porkfest this yeah, year. Yeah. And uh, that, you you know, you can't you can't say that. that I agree with you. Yeah, that that encryption does allow for that. But um you know, there, there's. It seems like the the path is going to where that ability to say, "Hey, I forgot my password," isn't uh, isn't the case anymore. In fact, you know, that's something else they talked about at Google I/O, where your Chromebook could get unlocked by having your phone nearby. Oh, and I, oh, wow. I yeah, hmm. yeah. So if your phone's nearby, it'll just automatically unlock your, and that sucks. Mm-hmm. That's scary. Yeah, yeah I don't want that ability at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so because I mean, then yeah, it's like, oh, I forgot my password. You can't log into a Chromebook, which is a shame because the encryption on a Chromebook is beautiful, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's always it's on the fly, it's always happening. Uh, but now you know whatever. Well, if that was like an extra factor. Mm-hmm. And like, so if it added to the security, so like you had, had to enter in a password plus have your phone nearby or something, yeah, that were, could be beneficial. Yep. If it worked like two factor, I think right. that'd be pretty cool. So yeah. they haven't said whether or not that's one of the options for the mm-hmm. implementation, but mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, actually, that was what I saw. Um, there was a, somebody who was kind of a security expert, actually, uh, who was showing me the facial unlock on his phone, but it also had a password on it, too. 
Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, if it's to add on security, I can I can definitely see that. But relying on it solely, you may be giving up some of your abilities mm-hmm. to uh, keep yourself, you know, keep you and your data private. Um, but boy, talking about <laughs> talking about face or Facebook. Uh, yeah, we actually, you and I, Stephanie, we talked about this briefly on free talk. Well, not briefly. It was pretty much the whole episode with calls interspersed uh, about Facebook pulling off where, where they were essentially uh, manipulating users. Yes, they did a massive unethical psychological experiment without asking for people's consent to take part in it, uh, claiming that it was covered by their terms of service, where they um, altered the contents of people's user of, sorry, people's news feeds to show them either more like emotionally negative or emotionally positive posts and then see what they did with that. Right. <laughs> and people actually were affected by it. They would post, if they saw negative posts, they would post tend to post more negative stuff. And it was a small effect, but there was an effect. Um, and they also showed that if you showed people just less emotional posts in general, people posted less. They were like less expressive in yeah. general. So essentially this was one big experiment in sheepleness. I don't I hate that word. I don't use it very often, <laughs> but it really seems to apply here. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I think it's it's particularly unethical in a couple of ways. One is that um, people wouldn't have guessed or they wouldn't have been able to deduce from reading the Facebook terms of service which nobody reads anyway, but even if they did read it, it, there was nothing in there saying, hey, you might be non-consensually placed in a psychological experiment. No, there was none of that. Um, it just said vaguely in the terms of service, you your profile may be used for research. Uh, right. But that was the closest thing that came. And so nobody would have guessed that this might have been happening to them. The other thing is that it was showing them posts from their friends. And when you're looking at posts from your friends, I think your guard is down a little bit more emotionally uh, as far as being receptive to messages that you might get from that. Yeah, there's a level of trust. Yeah, there's a level of trust, exactly. And that's a trust that you don't have with advertisements or with something or with like a questionnaire where you you know you're taking part in a study and you're filling it out. Um, So, uh, of course, maybe that's good for the researchers doing the data, but they didn't ask anyone's permission for that. And people, maybe maybe someone was really affected by it. Maybe they had a really shitty day because they saw that. Maybe they killed themselves. You never know. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, did you hear about this page? I, so I heard about it. I didn't look into it too much because I think mm-hmm. it just came out like while we were all at Porkfest yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's so. just a few days old. Yeah. So I didn't look into it too much, but that's um, really frightening. And I'm glad I don't use Facebook. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say, you don't use Facebook. <laughs> I, I, I've been like checking on it like once a month just right. to see if I get tagged in pictures or something. Right. But other than that, I've stopped and maybe this will trigger more people to get off. I mean, it probably will definitely, but hopefully it's a lot of people, a significant amount. Yeah. Those numbers haven't come out, but I think this story, this is a big story. A lot of people are covering it. It was definitely the biggest thing on, uh, uh the mainstream media and yeah. wherever else. Didn't um, they sort of issue like a half hearted apology too? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really an apology. It was just explaining more what they were trying <laughs> wow. to do. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wow. bad. Should be. So, I mean, yeah. like if they're studying people's psychological responses to things, they should know a little thing or two about pr right you know yeah. you know what i mean and, and the information keeps coming and so i have more information on it and that's why i wanted to talk about it uh but this is this was a federally funded study oh, oh. of course it was oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean all okay 
I can see that because all psychologists and sociologists pretty much are getting grants from the government to do their research. All scientists, basically, which right. is one of the main reasons I left science, because so much of it is funded by the state and they just ruin everything they touch turns to shit. You know, it's, yeah. it becomes all about getting more grant money, you know, and of course, the government would want to fund this because, of course, what if you were a government, would you want to know how to influence the emotions of a mass amount of people through a popular channel? Of course. Yeah. I think they've been dreaming about that forever, you know? Oh, they have. They absolutely have. I mean, this is, you know, when I was in the, in the military, when I was in the Army, I was in PSYOPs. And this is exactly what we wanted to do yeah. in that organization, was you wanted to control the narrative. Yeah. In fact, uh, one, one uh, quite a few episodes back, Stephanie, when you were on, we talked about Ben Swan had a story where it laid out how the government literally did want to control like emotions yeah, they wanted to go into behaviors. religious places and like get the imams to do things and yeah yeah, yeah. very creepy so this is the the headline from uh, rt from the story that i've got and it's facebook mind control experiments linked to dod research on civil unrest mm. they actually had a guy who's working with the department of defense involved in this project mm. Of so course. it's not just I'm federally not funded. Yeah. You know, right, right, yeah, <laughs> not surprised at all, right? So it's not just federally funded. They got a guy who you know who's pretty much in bed with the Department of Defense looking into this. So I'm I'm going to read a bit here. Uh, Facebook's experiment on over half a million unsuspecting users and what was it like seven hundred thousand? Was that the number? Yeah. Okay. Um, has taken a new twist with the revelation that a researcher connected to a Department of Defense funded program to use the military to quell civil unrest also participated in the study. Oh, to use the military to quell... Yeah, they're going to quell it one way or another. I mean, like, if they can't distract people with happy Facebook posts, then they'll just shoot them, basically. Right, right. So I'll go on. The attack on... I'm, I'm skipping through. Of course, all links are in the show notes, SovereignTech.com. There's not going to be a whole lot of links from the show, because we're talking pretty broadly. But anyway, the attack on Facebook uh, looks set to worsen, as it was discovered that one of the authors of the platform's mind study, Jeffrey T. Hancock of Cor Cornell University, also received funding from the Pentagon's so-called Minerva Research Initiative to conduct a similar study entitled Modeling Discourse and Social dynamics in authoritarian regimes oh, whoa. <laughs> that doesn't sound ominous as hell uh, the pentagon funded minerva program provides cash awards to everyone from single investigators to large multi-university consortia um, researchers from 32 academic institutions including six non-us universities and four industry or um, non-profit organizations so anyway, wow. the, yeah, now, I could believe that. Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead, go ahead. I could believe that the researchers who were doing this study, maybe they're just nice people who are just genuinely curious about the contagion of emotions in a social sense. I bet they that could totally be the case. You know, they're probably just nerdy academics who want to study this stuff. However, I would like to address them for a minute. You people as scientists have sold out. And fuck you for that. <laughs> Seriously. That is such bullshit. Oh, yeah. You're taking yeah. money from the military to study your pet project. And you're letting your, your science be affected by that. And you're manipulating people's emotions. You're doing an unethical psychological experiment. And the government is paying you for it. They're using you. They're using you to do this research. And... I have nothing more to say than fuck off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You should I mean, quit science. You are a shit scientist for doing this. 
Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear it here, folks. Uh, but from I mean, Dr. Murphy. From, from a PhD saying, yeah, exactly. And, and that was the conclusion of the study was that emotions spread via contagion through a network. I mean, this this is a dream, you know, and it goes on. Uh, let's see the report, which carried the uh, well, they're, they're talking more about uh, uh, Dr. Hancock's work here. By the way, uh, one more thing about this. Fuck the people who publish this. Every peer, you know, this was published in a peer reviewed scientific journal and somehow it passed peer review. How did oh, yeah. it, how did this pass? Mm-hmm. How did this get past the institutional review board? Who right. approved this study? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is unethical. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not, not asking people's consent. It's bullshit. Everybody involved in this should quit science. Like who? You know who let this go through? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it probably in large part, you know, has to do with again the the you know the Department of Defense. Uh, helping push for it, I'm sure. I mean, that might be getting kind of conspiratorial on it. I mean, money. That's yeah, money. Yeah. yeah. Well, I the mean, journal and, that they published in Proceed Academy of Science. PNAS. Yeah, PNAS. <laughs> that is one of the most politically influenced journals. You know, it's this Association of Scientists, the, the National Academy. It's a political appointment to the Academy. You can kind of game it in, like you can get one of the members to suggest your paper and kind of push it through the peer review. I mean it's just shady all around yeah and so this this guy hancock who works you know at Cor- or who's from cornell that was working with facebook and with the department of defense uh he had a study come out in 2009 one year before the u.s uh army war college's strategic institute warned in a different study and in the wake of the global financial meltdown that the united states could experience massive civil unrest from a series of crises it termed strategic shock now we'll go on the that one that they're talking about from the army this isn't uh, necessarily hancock's work but they're part and parcel uh it was called the known unknowns <laughs> oh taking a cue from donald <laughs> from rumsfeld, rumsfeld yeah. there we go unconventional strategic shocks in defense strategy development suggested that the military may have to be called in to restore domestic order in the event of a of a massive oh. social breakdown oh, oh man yeah so this is really i mean wh- what they're studying how to use the military on quote their own people sure and you mm-hmm. look at like arab spring you look at uh, a lot of these at uh, turkey these areas where social media is being used to foment mm-hmm. uh civil unrest as they used or mm-hmm. revolutions or mm-hmm. whatever uh yeah the, i think they're looking either a how to stop it or b to abroad you, you know to use it abroad to start it yeah and uh th- this is scary <laughs> it is very scary. I mean, it's Definitely. really scary. And, you know, I talked about it on, on Free Talk Live. I was like, look, people, just stop using the, the damn thing. Yeah. You know, quit. Yep. How much more does it have to... I mean, is, if mental... And, and this, is the, this is the creepy part. Uh, because if mental manipulation on the part of these social networks isn't enough for you, get, for you to get the fuck off of it, what does it take? What, it, it, there can't be any... How, how much worse does it get? Especially in America, you know, where, where Thomas Jefferson says, it's like, oh, I, you know, I battle anything that's against the, uh, you know, the tyrannies against the mind of man. Well, here's your tyranny against the mind of man, and you're just sitting there taking it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, I haven't deleted my Facebook account yet. Sure. Um, no, none of us here have deleted our Facebook accounts. No. Um, but, like, I think all of us are pretty disengaged from it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the point that I had settled on, but this is really making me think about it. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, then, then at the very least, disengage. 
uh, yeah. do, do something. And, and it worries me, too, because a lot of the liberty movement, uh, at least in New Hampshire and, and Paige, you, I, you know, I'll, I'll let you speak to outside of New Hampshire. Uh, a lot of the liberty movement uses Facebook to to call a lot of its information to organize and, you know, and obviously not violently. Or at least I'm not a part of any kind of violent shit. Yeah, no. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but I mean, you know, this is what what kind of this is mental manipulation, and you're using this to somehow free the world. Yeah, some, yeah. sometimes people think that uh, it's private too. Like they, they oh, form yeah. these secret groups, and they think what's in the secret group stays a secret. Yeah, no. yeah. So I, I mean, Paige, <laughs> how, like, how important is I mean. You know, I don't know if you want to call yourself an act, a liberty activist or not. That that's okay if you do. Um, I mean, but h- how important is Facebook to your anarchist leanings outside? Well, it's not anymore, right? Because you don't use right, it. Right. I don't In know. Past, I'm not quite though? sure. But yeah. So actually, I haven't. I know I've ran into say events that do like their RSVP type ticketing systems through the Facebook events thing. Mm-hmm. So like they'll want you to log in and RSVP through that. And then in that case, I just didn't go to the event and (laughs) just didn't want to do it. Um, That was back when I actually didn't have a Facebook account. Right. Yeah. Um, But in terms of like liberty activism, I've actually, and just Bitcoin as well. um, I've found that meetup.com and Twitter are kind of the two powerhouses yeah, that I tend to use a lot and see a lot of people on. And Meetup's great mm-hmm. because that's far more localized. Yep. And I, I really, I like that aspect of it. Um, I have to say, I have connected with people on Facebook who shared political beliefs or whatever, or or who shared interests. Or, and you know, people say it's difficult to meet new people on Facebook, or it's difficult to like break into circles if you're on the outside. But, um, like, like it has come in handy for me in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, not only, like business contacts i've gotten some voiceover jobs where people contacted me through facebook they wouldn't have known how to contact me otherwise Mm -hmm. so you know there is some benefit to it but as far as like getting in emotionally invested in it no that's not the right way to go and also in turn so i i actually didn't have a facebook account for about a year Mm -hmm. i think actually exactly a year i kind of decided i join after a year anniversary Honestly, just to be able to get in touch with people like you guys, um, email can be really. <laughs> oh God, um, we're bringing people to it. <laughs> actually, yeah. So there's like a few, a handful of people that I went back to Facebook just so I could like get in touch with again. There's a couple of anarchists that actually use Facebook a lot, and I really like reading their posts. And yeah. right. they obviously can't do a similar length on Twitter or something like that. So yeah. yeah. It yeah, those people need to get off, and then maybe other people will follow too. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I actually I tried getting off of Facebook for a while, where I just stopped using it. I was using Google Plus, um, and it didn't. I didn't feel at least at that you time. You didn't delete it though. You just no, I didn't delete it. And I think post. that might be the statement that needs to be made. But um, I. You know, I was hoping that that to some degree, granted, this is very early on in Sovereign Tech's uh, run, but I was hoping maybe I had some degree of force of personality to where maybe people would be like, oh, OK, well, he's over here. Or maybe they found my posts interesting, so they'd want to go somewhere else. But uh, that just that really didn't happen at the time. But 
Who knows? Oh, Maybe things have Brian. grown. I think I you've never gotten the recognition or acknowledgement that you want from your posts. What? I, you do post stuff and you're always like, God, it's so interesting. It's so good, but nobody likes it. Well, everybody else's stuff is so fucking banal. It's so, yeah. uh, I mean, it's like, what are you even talking about? It's like, oh, well, I had this tonight for dinner. It's yeah. Like, well, it's fantastic. Pictures of food. Yeah, come on. And anyway, cats. But yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And cats. Oh, God. But, you know, you're right. I, I do get annoyed. And, and you know what? The, to make it worse is that people will come up to me like at Porkfest or whatever or at other places and you've been there to hear this Stephanie where they'll say man you make the best Facebook posts yeah. that I've ever seen and like but they never click they like. never click yeah. like it's like man give me a little bit of a reward to let me know that you're at least appreciating the, the stuff that I'm putting out there and, and anyway, I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent but um, but I mean when I, you depend on other people for your dopamine you may be disappointed <laughs> <laughs> that's right uh, yeah so Anyway, I recommend people get off of it. Why don't we just like go ahead and organize a quit Facebook day? I love it. We'll make a Facebook event for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready to delete my yeah. page yet. Honestly, maybe yeah. like ready. in like six months or something to give people time. You know, people that have pages and stuff to switch over. Right. I don't know. Just an idea. I'd yeah. like to see that happen. Uh, I would join it mm-hmm. for sure. Hell yeah! So all right. Well, maybe maybe that's something we'll we'll work out. But yeah. Anyway, maybe I, able to gear up for that. Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean, and uh, you're right, Paige. Like the pages. Facebook pages have gone to shit because nobody sees those posts and so it's not even really good for promoting or marketing mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the algorithms on Facebook are terrible whether they're yeah. mentally manipulating you or not. Yeah. And, and this is the one last point I want to bring up about it is that don't think Facebook is the only company that did, that did this. Oh no, no, right? no. They've all done it. <laughs> maybe it's in the past, maybe it's in the future, or maybe it's right now. Um, but without a question, I mean, all these different uh, various, you know, social networks or not even social networks, search engines, whatever, mm-hmm. they all run on algorithms that could really do exactly what Facebook did in this instance. So. And, and Google Mail, like people have known about that for a long time, but at least like that's a little more in the open. Like, you know, they're showing you ads based on the content of your emails. Yeah, Google always seems to be a little more honest about what they're doing. A yeah, little. little, yeah. A little. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to give them a whole ton of credit for anything. Well, one more word for these scientists. You're supposed to take a class on ethics. Like, I got a PhD in biochemistry, right. and I had to take a class about ethics. That was part of the PhD program. And part of that ethics it, training is informed consent, uh, ethics in publishing, you know, like you don't public, you don't approve stuff as a peer reviewer. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to screen out shit as a peer reviewer. Right. You know, you're, you're supposed to kind of police it a little bit. And I think there was just blatant failures all around on well, this. Do psychologists take the Hippocratic Oath? Uh, Which is do no, no harm. No, only medical doctors do that. Okay. Uh, psychologists, well, I think that should change. But psychologists should understand, you know, the impact of unethical psychological research. Right, right. Or maybe they do understand it and they and don't they care. They just don't care. And they're, and they're the, doing it on purpose. The psychologists are psychopaths. <laughs> maybe. Well, you know, I wouldn't rule that out. But I just, I just, I know I'm shaming here, but I'm annoyed at this, oh, this as terrible. a scientist yeah, you know this is, this is bullshit science and there's a lot of bullshit science out there for various reasons you know there's a lot of science that's just not good or whatever there's a ton of science that's funded by the government yeah not all of it's bad but some of it is but this was just unethical yeah Paige, did you have any last thoughts on it well i guess i just wonder what the you know how much the the fact that facebook kind of implied that it could happen in their terms of service how much that actually affected the psychologist's mindset in terms of consent i think they they 
you know, legally Facebook was covered and that's all they cared about. They didn't really care about people understanding what they were participating in or giving consent to participate. I mean, and this is like, like I was thinking of this example when I first heard about this, this is like someone walking into a hospital and getting misted with some virus that they didn't know about. You know, and and oh, you walked into the hospital, so mm. you participate. You consent to participate in this medical research. You right. know. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah, it's just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to inform people. You have to tell them in plain language what is going to happen to them in the study. Uh, you have to tell them how, if at all, they're going to be compensated for their time. The positive and negative effects that could come from it, you have to tell them if they're part of, you know, you may be part of a placebo group, and mm-hmm. nothing may happen. You have to really go through with them what's going to happen in this uh, study, and they did none of that. Yeah. I mean, in the quote-unquote apology that they gave... Uh, was essentially just saying, "Oh, it's we're like, sorry you feel that way." Well, right? It's no, like the it was, bullshit apology. The word sorry wasn't even really in it. It <laughs> wow. was. It was just simply that. Look, we're doing this to make Facebook better for you. And mm. it's like, look, if you want to know what people, you know, if you want to know how to make Facebook better for people, just fucking ask them. You don't have to play with their heads. Mm-hmm. No. So they never ask. <laughs> no, no. So it, it's crazy. But uh, but let let's move on to another, actually, a big topic, and. Now, the next story that I that I want to talk about, I'm actually glad to have Paige here because this is a topic I've brought up a few times. Um, but there is a story, and actually I think this is a story we're going to talk about on Sex and Science Hour in the next episode, or at least in a future episode, where the, uh, the governor of California was lifting pretty much all regulation against Bitcoin. Like he was just... What regulation against Bitcoin? Well, like uh, saying that nothing could actually maybe not lifting regulation, but at least saying that nothing can affect Bitcoin in California. It seems like. Oh, I didn't get that from the story. I read the same story. The headline was um, Governor of California legalizes Bitcoin. No. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I got a totally different picture, which was that this is stupid. Why are people asking permission? It doesn't need to be legalized. It it wasn't illegal before. Right. Uh, Why even think of things as legal or illegal? Just do it. It's not hurting anyone. It's not morally bad, you know? So use Bitcoin. Right. Okay. But why did the governor of California take such a drastic stance that I think the rest of the states in the U.S. uh, are very cautious about. In fact, even the federal government is really cautious about how exactly they legislate Bitcoin. Okay, well, let's do a little test here. In California, can you go to uh, Coinbase or whatever, if you have a California bank account, and can you sell a million dollars worth of Bitcoin and and get that deposited in your bank account without having a suspicious activity report filed on you? Uh, Can you sell drugs for Bitcoin? Can you go on the Silk uh, Road and buy things? mm -hmm. Right. Can you uh, sell Bitcoins to people without needing a money transmitter license? Can you open up a business that vends Bitcoins? Right. I doubt it. I yeah, mean, none no, of, of those things not. could of you do. Not. No, of, of course not. But that's not what I'm what I'm getting out of this. Is that, so I mean, it's not legalized. Yeah, no, right, right. <laughs> in, in, the, in the abstract, of course not. Uh, I mean, in fact, honestly, anytime something has any form of legislation on it, uh, it's not technically legalized. You know, it's suddenly become you know subject to laws okay whether it's for or against of course certainly but i think the the reason that this happened the reason that california got ballsy for lack of a better word about bitcoin saying that it's legal and you can do what you will with it whatever is because there there have there was a lot of people talking blog posts 
other things, saying that Bitcoin is kind of the next tech uh, evolution or revolution. Mm -hmm. And the concern was, I think, and no one said this, but I'm theorizing it, that California was worried that it would lose its prominence in the tech world. If for good reason. <laughs> yeah, well, but if it was against Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so with that in mind, that brings up the overarching thought that I've talked about on Sovereign Tech in the past to where, you know, San Francisco, which you're from, Paige, mm -hmm. you know, San Francisco has this reputation, and I think it's not an unfair reputation, of being the capital of the world. Okay. Because... Like every new technology that comes out, every new idea that comes out, it all gets tested first in mm -hmm. San Francisco, mm -hmm. okay? And so I think that, that this was a way for California, again, to, to, keep, to keep its prominence in that, okay, look, no, we got to let Bitcoin do its thing. We got to let all this stuff happen. Otherwise, we're going to lose Silicon Valley and it's going to, there'll be an, the next Silicon Valley and who knows where that's going to be. Right. But we don't want to lose that. Right. Okay. And but you know at the same time I feel like that the the tech uh, the the startup culture that's happening in in Silicon Valley California in general um, I feel like that that's it feels like a bubble okay like that that's just going to pop because it seems like everything that comes out of it is just or not everything but so many things that come out of it are just insane yeah like like they're so weird and and in fact i've even made the statement in the recent past i said look if you want to find real innovation look for the solder smoke coming out of somebody's garage and mm -hmm. in fact you work for MadeSafe. Mm -hmm. who would have expected what i consider one of the greatest technologies to you know to come to to come out in, in so long, I mean, this is the internet done right with MadeSafe here. It's coming out of Scotland. Yeah, out of, out of a s small town in Scotland. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's almost like, yeah, the real innovation did come out of solder smoke in a garage. Yep. You know, and it didn't come out of, out of, out of San Francisco. And so my question, you know, I, I've been wondering if, look, is Silicon Valley going to lose its prowess? Is it, is it going to lose its reputation? Is all this going to, you know proverbially blow up in its face yeah. and i'm curious what your thoughts are as you are a person there and you are involved and, and please note I'm, I'm not being derogatory of course at all uh but but being involved in startup culture quite a bit like you said mm -hmm. you work for open garden etc mm -hmm. I'm, yep. I'm curious your thoughts on that so yeah i i mean there's obviously a lot of regulation in california like new york and california are known to be like the top two states that are regulating almost everything especially right. in terms of business so there are like already a lot of um, people moving out of that to start out of the state to start businesses out of california yeah okay um in terms of um you know, getting money, though, that's where the VCs are. And I think that's why a lot of people are flocking to it and um, why it's kind of been artificially kept such a hub. I think it's it's that whole venture capital scene mm -hmm. um, and, you know, startups, people with not the best ideas just trying to make a quick dollar or mm -hmm. make an app that will get bought out by Facebook, you know, the WhatsApp nine billion dollar sale completely <laughs> yeah. ridiculous that to me was kind of like a really obvious point that we're in a bubble in Sam or in silicon valley mm. so you agree that it is a bubble yeah i yeah i've been saying that probably for the past couple of months to other people and honestly most people i say that to agree so i think a lot of people in san francisco see it 
happening like again with like the the whole internet boom mm-hmm. um i i remember looking it up i think um there was like seventy thousand jobs lost in san francisco area wow after after the the crash that's a lot yeah i, I can believe that so, yeah so what is the bubble is it tech is it apps is it bitcoin it's startups just startups yeah just making yeah so it's tech-based startups i guess um because there's a lot of developers there so it's easier to find developers and people with the skill set to build things um code things so um yeah i think and you know technology and apps are so such an easy way to make money now like you make an app that's popular mm. you can make millions of dollars right. but ironically like a lot of apps you know just don't really deal with too much regulation in their business like it's not a very regulated business mm-hmm. but i think these vcs that you're talking about that are kind of propping up the bubble at least see regulation as a necessary part of doing business or mm-hmm. just something that you you'll have to work around and it's inevitable mm-hmm. Or at worst, maybe see it as something that's good because it can kind of enrich certain people at the expense of others, like it keeps out competition in some ways. Mm -hmm. So I think they are probably very pro-regulation, and they have that mindset where they they don't see it ever going away nor want it to go away. Yeah, I mean, the best case I've heard was um, one VC, I forget his name, he's pretty big out there, but he was the one that proposed that silicon valley kind of break away from california and start oh, its own he wanted state. to split the state in six oh, yeah, yeah that so it started yeah, with his something yeah go ahead it started with wanting just to break off silicon valley and mm-hmm. have that be its own thing and then i think it evolved into having six different states or something like that mm. um so at best it's like people like those vcs wanting like their own territory that's not related to the california <laughs> state but that's not like that's also very scary to me yeah like, yeah, yeah you know it's, it's just a they would just make their own regulations yeah it's a yeah. different mafia in charge it, right? yeah exactly it's interesting because uh, actually at last year's google io which was a much better event a very exciting event as compared to this year's in my opinion um had larry page head of google co-head i guess i should say uh he came out and said that yeah we we need places where the laws don't apply and we can make our own and go by our our own rules. So I think that it. So that's interesting. That this that's not actually the direction the direction I expected this conversation to go. But that's an interesting point. That it seems like even VCs there, and I don't pay attention that much to to VCs in in the Silicon Valley area anymore. Uh, years ago, I did. But mm-hmm. um, so that's fascinating. That yeah, that does seem they have this desire to. Um, to get away from California itself, because right. that, that's kind of the overall. But not point. to be like an anarchist paradise. Right. No, right. They just want to do it themselves. Yeah. They want to put me in charge. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they want to be the top of the pyramid. They just then they don't want to smash the pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, th- that is pretty fascinating because I mean I've been expecting it to be somewhere else for like the next Silicon Valley, that next area that's really going to start developing all kinds of incredible technologies and and software and whatever. Uh, would would be elsewhere, and that it wouldn't be California. But it sounds like people are still planning on it being California, but just not the status quo that it is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that 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 is a that that's actually that, that's really interesting. I mean, how do you feel? Do you think that there's going to be a Silicon Valley elsewhere? Um, I think there's potential after the bubble pops again mm-hmm. um, for someone for a community that already might be starting to try to build 
a text scene um, might be able to pick up where Silicon Valley dropped off. Um, it would be really awesome to see it in New Hampshire because yeah. then I would just want to move here even more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we'll work on it. Yeah, yeah. give us a couple years. I, I actually, in, in all seriousness, I think it's it's a very real possibility that yeah. New Hampshire could be that spot. Yeah, well, Porn Valley too, because isn't there something where? The only two states mm-hmm. where it's legal to film pornography are yeah. California and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of it, it's, there's some maybe that's filmed in New Hampshire, but obviously the vast majority is in mm-hmm. L.A., you know, that kind of Hollywood, that area. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe tech and porn will come together in a sovereign tech explosion of goodness <laughs> and we'll have a porn, Bitcoin, Silicon Valley here in New Hampshire. Yeah, hopefully everything will be coming here. Uh, yeah, everything yeah, will be coming. But, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, so now the reason that it may not be in New Hampshire, considering the some degree of the similarity of, I'll say, freedoms for, and I'm using these terms in the conventional sense, um, the freedoms that, that California and New Hampshire seem to share, uh, I think the reason that maybe it hasn't happened to New Hampshire already in large part, and this is the next part of the t- of this subject that I want to talk with uh, that I want to talk about, is the the winter. Like I think so many of these things can happen and be tested and experimented with in California because of the relative stability of the weather there, mm-hmm. and you know because a lot of these and and I, my question to you, Paige, will be, you know what. What um, what services do you have in San Fr- in the San Francisco area or in California that you don't get because you travel quite a bit now and and you know that you don't get elsewhere that you really really like having, um, but I think a lot of these technologies, be it electric cars, uh, take your pick, don't work here. They can't work here. The winter. But they just- could. There's an opportunity because of the weather. Right. There are problems we have in New Hampshire, like getting around in the snow or whatever, mm-hmm. or not getting enough time yeah. outside in the winter, that are market opportunities to be solved by apps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. I, I could see that. Um, it's but, something they're going to run into eventually. Yeah, um, well, that's this is what amazes me with startups is that they really, they only care. Like, I mean, the two cities that it seems like most startups want to run to are Austin and San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe New York City. Some of them will will somehow venture that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by and large, it's it's those two areas, and it's just ironic because it's the two areas where the weather is relatively, you know, again, uh, stable. So I mean, do you? Are there? I'll ask you. I mean, are there services that you get? You know, that's exclusive to where you live that you miss when you go elsewhere, or that you think you'd miss maybe? Um. Well. It has nothing to do with tech, but just medical marijuana. <laughs> that, but that's definitely related to the state. Sure, um, sure. And it, it's here. I mean, New Hampshire has it. Right. Right. And Massachusetts it, definitely did, has it. Well, I think under different l- conditions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. It's not as wide, uh, wide yeah. open. Sure. Yeah. I was um, actually thinking of the marijuana debate or whatever before, because we were talking about you know regulation, like Bitcoin was legalized by the governor or whatever, he mm-hmm. said. Um, there are lots of people in the medical marijuana world who don't like the term legalize because legalize implies that, you know, it's going to be regulated and taxed and all yep. this stuff. Right. Whereas decriminalized means you just don't go to jail for it. And then yeah. if it's not either of those things, then it's on the black market, which some people like better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which, which <laughs> Or touches, on the free market, excuse me, not the black market, the free market. Sure, which touches great on the initial point you made about Bitcoin 
you know, being legalized. Yeah, and right. that was a great yeah. point Who to wants make. That? That is, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, you want it decrimmed. Right. So But in terms of technology that I see in San Francisco, I see like a lot of silly things that I wouldn't ever use. Like there's a lot of a lot of stores will have um, these kind of like point systems so like every time you go you earn some points mm-hmm. and then eventually you can get something for free or something but there's so many of those companies right. and it's so random like so it's just it makes it almost pointless or you ha- if you're really into it you have to download like 10 different apps if you uh-huh. want to be able to use do something like that so <laughs> everybody I think, has an app now right yeah, yeah. right um, I can't really th- honestly think of anything that's um specific in technology to san francisco there's like a lot of you know like i guess google is kind is there so they kind of support certain communities like Mm -hmm. they fund they're technically funding um free wi-fi in san francisco parks okay um so that hasn't happened yet and it it's like up to this the city to actually implement it they're just fun google's just funding it so yeah, it's probably never gonna get this done. off in new york city there are yeah. areas in new york city where right. google is providing free right. wi-fi yeah. yeah near their near their headquarters and yeah. stuff right yeah so there are probably like small benefits but in the end it's nothing that keeps me there right it's also there's i hear it's like really hard to find housing there too very difficult that's also based because of regulations yeah Yeah. i heard like with airbnb san francisco is like cracking down on them and saying that you need to have like a permit from the city if you rent it out more than like a certain number of weeks per Mm -hmm. year and you have to like pay this hotel tax or something if you rent your place on airbnb which is i mean that's just going to make the housing problem worse right yep same yeah. with um, the San Francisco airport. They're also very against Uber and Lyft and stuff Ugh. like that. So Yeah. Okay, so so abstract question. How do you feel about cities in general? Like, I mean, is this is this your is is the city life the living of choice for you? Um I kinda enjoy being near cities. Mm-hmm. Um I kinda like I did live in Boston for a while and San Francisco for a year or so directly in the cities and honestly it was a little too anxiety inducing for me Mm. too much noise and um like just walking out and like all this stuff happening and no peace (laughs) and quiet or anything so uh but I do like having access to them because I think you know bringing people together and people working nearby each other is really good for you know stimulating ideas and you know thinking of just like just thinking of new ways to work around things like it it like it presents new problems that are interesting to solve especially in terms of the the large population that we Mm -hmm. we have and exponentially growing right um so i think cities are definitely really important for um for capitalism it's the pinnacle skyscrapers <laughs> Ayn right. Rand and yeah um, it's also but it's also like kind of a way to push people to be a little more think about how to do these systems better so more efficiency yeah exactly yeah. so I think it does help in certain ways and um, I don't 
I wouldn't ever want to see cities go away. Sure. No, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was uh, totally an opinion question. So, yeah, yeah I, I think, I mean, th- this is the other thing, too, and this may be where the next Silicon Valley comes from, not necessarily from Bitcoin, uh, but it may come from just the... Because I agree, like city, you know, the mother of, uh, of or the mother of invention is necessity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the city does cr- need a lot of invention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so but I'm wondering when, you know, the, these technologies are going to happen that offer a lot of the connectivity of cities. And obviously Skype and things like that don't really solve this at all, because like you said, you know, you're uh, when you're together in a room, it's far superior to Mm-hmm. you know working remotely from each other and so i wonder when the the rural technology evolution or revolution is going to happen and who's going to answer that because that's the thing for me and i've said this before is that you know most of the tech that comes out of startups is specifically designed for cities and cities alone yeah and you know the world is only maybe 25 percent city granted 75 percent of the population lives within cities right. okay but it's agenda 21 <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that, that really is there really is something to that that uh that cities um that the bulk of the world is not is not a city right. and so technology you know someone i imagine would want to 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 take, you know, take uh, take advantage of mm-hmm. the people that that do not want to live in cities, but perhaps still want a lot of these bef- these benefits mm-hmm. that technology offers. Yeah. So, anyway, but uh, you know, I, sometimes I think that the reason people don't live in cities is because they are concerned about the surveillance state. You know, it it you notice it a lot more in cities, or I do anyway. Mm-hmm. Like just going to New York City, I really felt like I was being totally tracked even crossing into massachusetts from new hampshire right by car it was like yeah it it, there are more roads stuff on the road more like orders that you encounter as you're driving down the road put on your seatbelt stay Mm -hmm. out of this lane or tax (laughs) fine uh, you know (laughs) more cops you know uh being out in the country i just really uh, sometimes you want to get away from people i mean like the thing is I like to be able to connect with people, but I like to do that on my own terms. So like having the internet is helpful because I can connect when I want to connect and disconnect when I want to disconnect. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, But being in a city, like there's people all over the place. And then I think there's also this just tension or anxiety because a lot of those people don't really necessarily get along, you know, and they're, they're scarce resources within the city and people kind of, sometimes get this like a little bit cutthroat mentality i don't know last time we were in new york and we talked about this on the show before brian last time we were in new york i don't feel this is bad with boston or other cities but new york in particular seems really bad it just seems like there are just these limited resources like there weren't enough ubers even mm-hmm. there weren't right. there weren't wasn't enough space in the restaurants to seat more than a few people at the same yeah. table there wasn't enough space in the hotel room to like barely put down the suitcase and it was $300 a night where you could get it if you got a $300 a night hotel in New Hampshire that would be like a five-star hotel but with this it was like the Roach Motel that <laughs> right. was the elevator didn't even work you know yeah, yeah. so yeah. Um, I don't know it just seems like people are fighting for stuff in in New York and like it's more expensive and there are all these additional problems that are created from being there and there's plenty of space on the planet there's plenty of space here in this landmass that we call the U.S. like Maybe people just spread out a little bit, like... Yeah, I also... Well, in terms of 
like conserving space or something. I think there is something with the idea of just not consuming as much. So people that have really small apartments just can't uh, like they can't fit a bunch of things in there. So they're not like partaking in the, the ultra consumer culture that we have. So maybe it's helping in that regard as well. But I think they're still spending about as much money. Like, right. I don't know, because everything's more expensive. I think, like, I could have a higher standard of living if I lived in New Hampshire and spent a certain amount of money per year mm-hmm. versus living in New York, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I also think, like, I, I, I like to see that there's people trying to minimize the the amount of space that they're taking up um even if it's just because it's their own preference or they don't need the space so why why take it up if you don't need it so yeah but how much space can one person take up or a family or whatever well i think we are in the u.s there's a (laughs) there are (laughs) well yeah very large mansions and but the point of that is i think like you know, yeah, like some people have mansions, some people have large amounts of acreage or farms or whatever. Um, And, you know, you could argue about that. But I think the people who have like, just giant, unbelievable swaths of land that they're not really using that that just like own a lot of land. I really think that's a legacy of the state, you Mm -hmm. know, like they wouldn't have that much land if it weren't for the state, like Mm -hmm. enforcing those those so-called property rights which they're mm-hmm. not using and mm-hmm. whatever yeah. and and like the Brian and I had this conversation once like the costs of owning large amounts of land if there were no state to like protect the, defend the title or whatever mm-hmm. you would have to basically enforce it yourself so yeah. you would have to use the land and make sure that nothing happened no to it homesteading it like yeah an right. acre down yeah and that's a cost to mm-hmm. maintaining ownership of that amount of land so it would naturally kind of I think um, make people think more about what land they're actually using. Mm-hmm. But with the state, like you can sign a piece of paper and they say, okay, well, well, you know, not that they do a good job, but like the idea is that they enforce that you own that land. Mm-hmm. So people don't have to think about limiting the size of land that they own because the state like kind of takes care of that for them and removes some of the cost of loan of owning large pieces of land. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just think like the people who own like mountains or like, you know, large pieces of land, maybe that wouldn't be so common if we actually had a free world. Well, maybe we just wouldn't have such density in cities. Maybe we would just have more cities where people, people that like that lifestyle will be able to move to, you know, cities that aren't like New York City. And, you know, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think the state is definitely allowing those kinds of cities to exist as they are, whether or not it's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and it's, I really wonder what cities would be like in a freer world, because like you look at a city like Phoenix, okay? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Phoenix? It's or Phoenix slash Scottsdale. Like, yeah, it builds Talk about outward. sprawl or yeah. Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just the most sprawling. Yeah. Like, it just goes on. Any benefit that you might get from having everything you need kind of in one little block is obliterated by that because everything is just shitting itself all over the landscape. <laughs> it's just like spread yeah. out. And then N- New York, like, everything's really compact. You know, you might be able to find everything you want, including like the obscure Mongolian barbecue mm-hmm. on your on your street corner um but there's so little space for everybody so 
I wonder, like, I'm sure there would be a diversity of like the amount of sprawl in cities and also zoning, you know, like um, yeah. a lot of cities are, are, are organized in certain ways because of government telling the builders that, no, you can't put this in that place. You have to put this here. Yeah. Maybe there would be whole buildings where people would live above a mall or something and yeah. they'd be able to get everything they needed without even going out of the mall. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, the whole, there's a lot of zoning things that go on in San Francisco for sure and it's honestly one of the primary reasons people are coming to find that there's you know this uh, push away like poor people are getting pushed out of their their homes and stuff just Mm -hmm. because people that work at Google can obviously afford to buy their house and kick them out or right right so um, yeah I think it definitely causes a lot of problems the state definitely is want the biggest problem with yeah. cities yeah. yeah certainly yeah maybe so, i would like cities more if the state were not in them yeah, yeah. so uh, let's switch gears here um and i mentioned i mean talking about a state problem that being surveillance like i was mentioning earlier uh and i think a lot of people you know they do want to get out of cities because they're they're concerned about their privacy but then this is the question and i think we've got time to to, to dip into this um with with, with privacy and anonymity, okay, because we, we talked about how the, the crypto economy is really is growing. I mean, black phones taking off, um, you know, and so many people are concerned with their again with their privacy and anonymity. But I've I've teased at the idea in the past that maybe privacy and anonymity is actually antithetical to one's own freedom and health. And so I kind of I want to explore this idea, definitely in the abstract. You know, there's I don't have a specific story to go over uh, with it. There's a lot of people, David Brin, uh, I think Tim O'Reilly. There's some others who to talk about the idea of, you know, hey, maybe we need what they would call covalence, where, hey, as long as they can, you know, if they can spy on us, as long as we can spy back. Or isn't this like the case of uh, Little Brother by Cory Doctorow? Yeah. Where that's mm-hmm. what you do. You, you spy back. Mm-hmm. Um you know, then it's okay because then, like everybody's sort of held accountable. So I, I wanted, I want, I want to kind of talk about this, and that is, and maybe talk about it without the state if you want, like if the state didn't exist at all, but just that maybe, maybe privacy is uh, like, like Gary Lachance says, privacy is the enemy. Um, and I, I'm curious, I, I'm curious your thoughts on that, Paige. Actually, I'm, I know you've you've talked about this briefly in the past. Um, the idea that hey maybe you know maybe everything should be open. Um, what 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 do you mean by that? Like what is your what is your goals in thinking that way or or in theorizing that way? I'm not saying that's your belief. Yeah, I'm not quite sure if that's you know I'm definitely about that, but mm-hmm. um, you know there's there's a lot to say in terms of being able to keep people accountable and keep people that are trying to do bad things accountable. Sure. Um, maybe it could be one way to kind of lead to a freer society. Um, maybe we to don't get there. Yeah. We don't okay. necessarily need it in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, or just like, we don't need it all the time, but yeah, I think it's definitely a, a tricky topic to dive into, especially since I work for MadeSafe, which is like <laughs> all about privacy. Yeah, and, yeah. but I, I certainly am open to, you know, what if, you know, obviously the, OPD, Oakland Police Department, has mm-hmm. this citywide surveillance. Um, the, yeah, we're talking the, like hundreds of cameras. I mean, mm-hmm. all and they they're all connected to one central hub yeah. where everybody can watch what's going yeah. on. It's scary. 
But, like, would it be so bad if the citizens could see those videos as well? Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't you be able to see the police being, like, police brutality? They have those those cams that they're required to keep on, which doesn't really happen Mm -hmm. because they forget to turn them on sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, so... How did we know that was going to happen? Right. So, in terms of a society with a state, Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely... um, an interesting topic to explore, especially when they're already surveilling us. Right. If it's already happening, then what do we have to fight back? Like, there's only, like, there's obviously a lot of technology, like encryption and stuff, to kind of thwart them, but in the end, if they can, you know, find your private key or something, then it doesn't matter at all. Mm -hmm. So... So you definitely think, with the state, that a little brother scenario... You know, with this covalence where you can see what they're doing, too, would maybe a beneficial thing. Yeah. 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 I wonder about that. I mean, it seems like it would. And you can cite some examples of how maybe it is. But I mean, what can you really do with surveillance on police or government people or whatever, except shame them? You know, and does shaming, like, lead to changes in behavior? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know if it has to be shaming, because one of the one of the good things about the big bad internet, that being the singular internet, um, is that, you know, people can't lie anymore, by and large, or at least politicians. People in the public eye can't really get away with saying... But they well, do, though. They lie all the time, and well, they're they, on record, and nobody cares. Well, they keep on... Well, that's the difference. They keep on going, but... Yeah, I, I, you're absolutely right, but nobody cares. Like, yeah, I, I don't even know if some cops care. Like, that cop that shot the guy at the BART station mm-hmm. was on multiple cameras. They tried to yeah. take him away, but he's on YouTube. Sure. And he didn't get convicted for it. Like, he, he got a slap on the wrist, essentially. Yeah. Right. And what's happened to him? I mean, he didn't... Well, bringing up the cops is an interesting point, uh, because, you know, when police, in, in certain cities, police have... They've, they've now been forced to put cameras on, mm-hmm. and so they have to, you know, and then there's been a decrease in uh, police brutality, a decrease in... in but in do they their- just forget that the camera's on? I mean, or, well, like, so they could always because, turn it off, but, yeah. like, if you're on camera long enough, like, how do how do reality shows, like, the real world, you know... Well, they're all productions. They're not real. Okay, but, like, if you take the original ones, maybe mm-hmm. they weren't as produ- produced as they are now. Sure. Um, but like, I think if people are living in a house where there's cameras everywhere, eventually they forget that the cameras are there and mm-hmm. they just start acting like themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, doesn't that happen to cops yeah, too? But, well, that's the thing is I wonder, I guess I, I'm wondering too, and I'm not laying out any like hard dogma on this. I'm wondering if there was just the mass amount of, you know, of, of covalence, I'll say, which that means us watching them. Yep. It, I mean, if just that much video got out there about how much, how big of a slime ball all these people are, politicians in particular, uh, if that wouldn't, you know, if people wouldn't suddenly say, holy shit, you know, th- what what are we doing? But don't people already know that politicians are slime balls? They do. And they like, they're not going to mm-hmm. go through hours and hours of video. Like, I think it might just get buried. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm skeptical. I'm playing devil's advocate no, here a little yeah, bit, yeah. but like, I don't... Um, 
I don't record cops. I mean, you can call me a bad libertarian for that, but like, <laughs> I just don't really, it doesn't really resonate with me as something that's going to bring me more freedom or bring everybody else more freedom. Mm-hmm. I just try to avoid them as much as possible. That's my strategy. Sure. Paige, I mean, what do you, what do you think about so that? So in terms of cops um, and the, the cameras that they wear, those cameras aren't public. Like you have right. to apply and keep applying and keep poking at them to actually get that video. Right. Um, so that I don't. I think that might be kind of a a mechanism so they they don't really have to care too much about it, and they can also just forget to turn them on. Or mm-hmm. then yeah. what's the point of even having video surveillance? Because exactly. it's like you well, can't access it. It's not public. Y- well, having surveillance that of they the control yeah, yeah exactly right. if right. they control it yeah. and in this statist world that's what i see like mm-hmm. if they allow it to happen at all it's always under their control and so they're still on the upper hand of that power dynamic mm-hmm. well you know? I, th- I think of the case of my ny hashtag my nypd mm-hmm. okay which is yeah. a very popular story that where people you know they said, okay, yeah, show us your great pictures with the cops. And obviously they showed just tons of brutality, some tons of br- police brutality. Now, a lot of people would make the case that that's a great thing, that this is this is covalence at work and that this is, uh, you know, Panopticon not happening. Uh, and, of course, Panopticon is an di- idea. Is that by Foucault? Is that Michael Foucault? I don't know. I think so. Where I think he coined it. Or maybe it's earlier than him and he just kind of popularized the idea. Where Panopticon is, uh, that word gets tossed around. I don't know how many people even know what it is. And Panopticon is a prison that you're inside of where you can't see your jailers, but they can see everything you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so a lot of people would say, and I've said this too, that hashtag my NYPD was a case where Panopticon doesn't ex- look, it, it doesn't actually exist. You can use it against them. And I think that was, I think hashtag my NYPD was pretty eye opening for a few, maybe not many, but for a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the issue is when you get these, you know, when you get Google, Apple, uh, take your pick of the company that closes in on their ecosystems and then gets ordered by Congress to put kill switches inside of their phones. How well is covalence going to work? You know, how well, and I I do wonder about that. Uh, In principle, if you have, like Paige said, if you have control of the means of surveillance, then maybe it it might be a great idea uh, to, you know, to do that. So, but, you know, here's where I kind of want, I want to twist it a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm concerned about what happens with, with any picture taken with a phone and whatever. I have... And Stephanie, you can attest to this. I have what I call a porn camera. Okay. <laughs> and this is a camera that uh, doesn't, no, it's not, a, it's not a hidden camera in the bathrooms in the house or anything. Okay. <laughs> uh, but this is a camera. It's an older model. It's a Vivitar. Okay. And it's a, it's a camcorder. I shouldn't say camera. It's a camcorder back when that was a, there was a difference. And it doesn't. You know, there's no Wi-Fi built in. There's none of that bullshit. It, it's a completely enclosed in what it records. Okay. And so it's for privacy, you know. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have total control of that camera. And But why do I keep that? You know, because I know that just about anything that's come out recently, I really don't have total control of. And so, you know, how would we even solve that where if we, if we wanted control of the means of, of surveillance... You know, I I don't know how we'd ever actually kind of gain that control as much as I may want it to use it like Cory Doctorow says in Little Mm -hmm. Brother. Yeah. You know, I I wonder about that. I mean, Paige, do you have any thoughts on that matter? Well, yeah, I guess there is like kind of a difference between 
being transparent in your kind of public life mm-hmm. like even though i guess yeah so like you know a lot of people are interested in like the relative uh, ability to stay anonymous with bitcoin um and they're interested in financial privacy right um and i wonder like at what to what extent that that's important um and where i think there is kind of like a, a boundary i don't know exactly where it is but something that's like in your home and personal um i think that um privacy is the enemy thing mm-hmm. mentioned something about like a, a closed source uh system a camera system in your house as right. like the base level that wasn't connected to any outside grid but it is still a form of surveillance that you can keep track of what's going on in your home right um so i don't know if i would be interested in that honestly because i don't yeah. trust crackers to not get a hold of that stuff Great yeah use of the word crackers <laughs> thank you well i think you like you Paige just revealed- actually listens to the show i love it <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean i think you just revealed what the issue is it's like no matter how much privacy or transparency there is in someone's life the problem is when there's a power dynamic between um who is being surveilled and who controls the surveillance footage mm-hmm. or the means to use it mm-hmm. and anytime there there is a disparity where you know there's a difference in the amount of power that two parties have that mm-hmm. would be the problem just like the cops you know mm-hmm. if they can if they're being surveilled but they control the footage it's just not very powerful if you're being surveilled but your insurance company controls the footage mm-hmm. that's also a problem right you know or if if you if i have footage of brian doing something embarrassing and i have the only copy and he doesn't have it that's right. that's a problem too exactly. sure sure that makes sense i mean i, I guess my my feelings are is that i i can see the i can appreciate what covalence means and what it can do you know what little brother can do um but i i question whether or not that's i do wonder if it's ever achievable uh you know to to have the technology Mm -hmm. that you can actually control in that way Mm -hmm. but now i want i want to switch gears a little bit on this not not to a different topic but on the same topic but another reason that it that it's kind of a, a bit of an admission of mine of why I, I, I would want this transparent society. And it has nothing to do with the state. Um, it actually has to do with culture itself. There was a story a while back where a female teacher in the U.S., uh, her, you know, in, in, in schools, a lot of tablets are getting used now. And she logged into an iPad at the school with her Apple account, which had all of her photos stored in the cloud. And a lot of those photos were, shall we say, risque. Oh, yes. Okay. And so, so students got a, got a look at their teacher um, (laughs) in a way that I'm sure she did not intend. Mm -hmm. And, but this is the thing is that, you know, we're talking so much about privacy and all that. And I understand, yeah, you don't want everybody to see what you look like naked or whatever. And and, and that's all fine and dandy. But a lot of it comes from not from an actual lack of desire to see, but it just comes from shame, shame that you've had since you were a child. We talked Mm -hmm. about this earlier in in the show. Okay, 
And so part of me wants that transparent society just so everybody can see, no, you know, we're all fucking freaks. Mm. We're all, you know, we're all crazy. We all do crazy shit. And it's like, okay, fine, if you don't want to see me do it, but just accept the fact Mm -hmm. that I do, you know, that you or he or what, you know, whoever does wild stuff all the time and that it's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you know, and so that's one of my big pushes for kind of for a transparent society. I mean, do you have do you have thoughts on that? Either of you? Yeah, I, I really can hear that brian that you're you don't like the shame and you want it to go away mm-hmm. i think that a lot of people who advocate a transparent society want to use that footage or that surveillance for the purpose of shaming so that's kind of antithetical to what you're saying you're saying let it let it dissolve the shame but people want to film cops so they can shame them and say like look look at this shitty person he's a he that's works an for the state point you know and so i don't i doubt I don't know if um, a trans, a completely transparent society necessarily equals less shaming. Well, yeah, but but I mean, the thing is, is that if we just saw that we all do crazy shit, then what, I mean, what power would, would well, these Well, crazy be, what, shit what? is one thing, but yeah. evil shit is another thing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Right? Like, and I think people would say, a lot of people would say, a cop should be shamed if he kills someone. Or mm-hmm. somebody, or whoever, not just a cop, anyone should be shamed if they're murdering and they're caught on video or if they're raping or whatever. Uh, we're doing something morally wrong, you know? So, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like, I, I think you raise a great point. Maybe I don't want, like, a, a, and, and I really, I don't think I do. I don't want, like, a surveilled society that, that does this. But maybe I'm looking for a transparent society of thought. To where people are more open to just saying what they think and doing what they... You just want to smash Christianity and let everybody... <laughs> have everybody have an orgies on every street corner. I see what you're all uh, well, about. Well, the second half I'm game for. But, uh, <laughs> if people want to be Christian, uh, whatever. Anyway, Paige, what, 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 do you, what do you think on all of that? Um, well, I guess in terms of being, you know, private with yourself and not... I guess I don't really understand the concept of not shaming a cop that kills someone. I would like to hear what you say on that. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, I I think what I meant when I said that was, like, people want to punish the cop by making it public that he did this thing and throwing rotten tomatoes at him or whatever, Um but that doesn't necessarily get justice for the victim or it doesn't get justice for the victim. Whoever lost their life has still lost their life. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much the cop is punished, um, it may warn other people to like stay away from the cop. Mm-hmm. It may induce, you know, like taking the cop out of society, putting him in jail or something like that. But it doesn't restitute the victim and it doesn't do anything for the victim's family or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I question, I just, I question shaming as a panacea for mm-hmm. everything that, for people doing be- so-called bad or wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. And also people use shaming to punish others for things that are not morally wrong. Um, women get shamed all the time for wearing things that are too revealing, of quote course. unquote, or, or whatever. And so, you know, who is getting what's the victim who's the victim there and who's getting justice there is no victim and there is no justice and i think people can over overlook the importance of getting justice for victims when the victim is still alive to be restituted Mm -hmm. of course 
um, if they focus on shaming too much. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I get, I definitely understand, like, not shaming people when it's not, like, important or wouldn't do anything to benefit the situation. But in terms of, like, you know, the... A cop killing someone. I mm-hmm. it, I think maybe, you know, shaming them into not doing it again might be a little beneficial. And that kind of do people tend to change their behavior when they're shamed? Though that's that's another thing I question because I don't think it is an effective way of mm-hmm. getting people to change their mm-hmm. behavior. Maybe sometimes, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes when people get shamed, they just dig in their heels more. Well, this is like the idea is like, oh well, I just got caught. I didn't yeah, do anything wrong. Right. Then I they just try to hide caught. it or deny it or yeah. get, a, get away from the punishment or whatever. But mm. they're not thinking about really regretting what they did and feeling bad about it. Well, in terms of shaming, instead of shaming, just like having a bunch of people aware of what you did and yeah. saying, I didn't appreciate that. Um, I, co- I completely agree with that. Yeah, and I, that's the value I see to ostracism, if right, there is any. It's right. warning others, get a, you know, hey, this happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to get away from this person. Yeah. So, yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, unless we want to go longer, <laughs> that's, that wraps it up. Do you want yeah, to keep going? I think it's a pretty good note to end on. All right. Yeah. So, anyway. I'm ashamed that we didn't go longer with this episode. <laughs> oh, <no>. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, ladies, for being on so much. Paige, you were great. Thank you thank so you. much for having thank me. Thank you. Yeah, and Stephanie, that was that was awesome. Uh, boy, I'm sure there's going to be listener emails galore about this one. So feel free to email in. Carpe Lucem. I'll see you on the other side. You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love, and love is not subject to law. So please share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.